Hi, friends. It's Saturday the 10th, and you've tuned in to Occam's Razor with your host, Dan Butterfield. There's no pen or Danny specific affinity group or groups on this program. By design, Occam's Razor allows the facts to dictate the narrative, not some political agenda. The natural consequence? The agenda-driven narratives of so-called mainstream media will be called into question, not your intelligence. You're not going to be told what to think on this program. You're going to be trusted to think for yourself. What you will get on, Occam's Razor? Insights available nowhere else. If you'd like to reach out to me, I can be contacted via email at orbydb at gmail.com. That's O-R-B-Y-D-B at gmail.com. That's six simple letters. Easy peasy. Friends, there's no better time to expose the youth of our country to critical reasoning than in their high school or college age years. So I encourage you, have your young people come join the program. No spin, no agenda, just pure critical reasoning, a skill set your kids can draw upon for the rest of their lives. Check out my website, danbutterfield.com. Folks, only through information can you take back the power for the mainstream media. And make no mistake about it, if you don't challenge the power brokers, they're not going to change of their own volition. Again, that's danbutterfield.com, where we do the work of the fourth estate. Well, Donald Trump contracted COVID-19. And i got to tell you, it's a, it's a kind of an odd thing, but by contracting the coronavirus, I think Donald Trump may have done the best thing for his re-election hopes. And why do I say this? He's demonstrating to the general public that COVID-19 isn't the death sentence the liberal media would have the public believe. And I think there's a lot of value in there. And the value is that you demystify the coronavirus. We're talking numbers. We're talking, you know, masks or social distancing and all these different elements of the coronavirus. Well, it's all abstract. By contracting COVID-19, Donald Trump has given the virus some level of, uh, uh, what would I say, it's, he's given it reality. He's given it some bounding and that he contracted it. You know, he can bring that into his election campaign now that it's not an abstract issue for him because he is somebody who has contracted the, the virus. And I'll tell you, you know, by demystifying it, you get rid of the fear. And so the fear mongers, they're kind of in a tizzy about this because simply by contracting the coronavirus, Donald Trump has demystified the virus and therefore mitigated the fear. And we've talked about numbers, and I've said this all along. Numbers aren't going to move a, a public, especially a public that's driven by fear. I mean, the president and conservatives can roll out all the numbers they wish uh, to de- demonstrate the true nature of the coronavirus, and it won't mean a damn thing. It just doesn't. Conservatives can point to science, to empirical data. Again, it won't move the needle, and it won't move the me- needle because the liberal media is not going to allow that to happen. The liberal media who wants to say they're dealing in science, the Oompa Loompa in Santa Fe who says she's dealing in science, not dealing in science. They're dealing home, the, they're hammering home the threat of the coronavirus. They're dealing in emotion. And emotion doesn't allow you to think, and we've talked about this on this program at nauseum, that emotion doesn't help you in problem solving. And this is what we're dealing with, problem solving. So what you have with Donald Trump contracting the coronavirus, he's given it some basis of reality to the general public. And so, like I said, I think that the liberal media will continue to try to use the emotion. They'll continue to beat on the number of 200,000 plus deaths because they want to drive the panic. The panic is this irrational behavior. So you don't listen to the facts. And again, the facts, the numbers, they are going to reinforce within those who already believe that the coronavirus is not this death sentence, but it's not going to do anything to the general public that doesn't want to believe that. And so the issue is how do you convince that intermediary voter, that middle ground voter? And I think by contracting the virus, Donald Trump has gone a long way toward getting that part of the public to understand 
not a death sentence. And that can help his re-election uh, campaign. And again, like I said, he contracted the COVID-19. And not only did he contract it, he wasn't in the hospital long term. He recovered quickly. And so, again, that is just another nail in the coffin of the liberal media's fear mongering. That, guess what? It's not a death sentence. Somebody in the age bracket, and again, this is another misconception, misconstrued fact. It's not age-related. It's age-related plus pre-existing conditions. So if you are healthy, the age uh, bracket isn't the issue. It's not the causality of you having a bad outcome. It is in a certain age bracket with pre-existing conditions. And so that reinforces what Donald Trump has been saying, what Scott Atlas has been saying, what a lot of conservative pundits have been saying. And that is a problem for the liberal press because they want to continue to control the narrative. Well, by simply contracting COVID-19, President Trump has wrestled a lot of that away from them. Will they continue down this path? Of course they will. They, they have no other choice because they really have no other issue that is compelling. So, I mean, we look at Joe Biden's, uh, Biden's strategy for 2020. It's going to be all about the coronavirus all the time. And that doesn't change. And it doesn't change with President Trump contracting COVID-19. It's how will the effectiveness be? You know, Joe Biden will continue to harp on the death toll. I mean, it's salacious. It's titillating. So don't expect Mr. Biden or his campaign to move away from that focus. However, it does represent a double-edged sword for Mr. Biden. Yeah, 200,000, that number, you know, gives Americans pause. But it also infuriates Trump's base. So it becomes an issue of fairness. I think most conservatives don't uh, attribute the death toll to anything that President Trump has done. I don't think his actions are causal in the minds of conservatives. But you keep hammering him for being the root cause of the 200,000 deaths, and you're going to infuriate that population. And so it, it, this is the double-edged sword for Joe Biden. If he continues to hammer the 200,000 or the death toll, then he's going to energize Trump's base. Now, can he back away from it easily? No, because it's, it's red meat to liberals who are going to love this. They're going to love that, you know, it's the death toll. And it's very morbid, actually, to be... Uh, cheering on the death toll. But that is, in fact, is what liberal press and and liberals are cheering on. And Joe Biden really can't back away from that. And so it it becomes a catch-22. And this is what strikes me about the the coronavirus platform. It's becoming more apparent every day. It's all about riling up the bases. It's not about swaying the general populace. It's about getting your base energized. And we look at uh, what's going to take place in the election, I think you're going to have the coronavirus no longer being that swing issue in the election that it once was. And this is bad for Joe Biden and liberals because this is their holy grail. This is their one item that they're pinning all their hopes on is that the coronavirus, the fear, will drive people to vote out President Trump. When in fact, if we look at the science, as the Oompa Loompa in Santa Fe says she does all the time, If we look at the science, the empirical data support Donald Trump. It doesn't support the liberal narrative. And so we get to another aspect of everything about the coronavirus. Yes, Joe Biden is going to continue to hang his hat on it. But I think it's going to become more polarizing. 
Now we get to the other aspect of what's taking place with COVID-19 in this country, and that's leadership. And I know Donald Trump has been chastised for his leadership in this. I mean, Joe Biden has routinely challenged Donald Trump on the fact that he doesn't wear a face mask. Well, now that he's contracted COVID-19 and recovered, he doesn't need to wear a face mask. He's going to be the most popular individual in the world who never has to wear a face mask again because, well, he's recovered. He's not somebody who can pass on the, the virus. He's not somebody who can contract the virus. So he gets to wear no face mask or no face covering ever again, at least until this panic is over. But what I want to talk about leadership is there's this bunker mentality from the liberal side. They say you have to sequester. You have to wear the face coverings. You have to social distance. And Donald Trump simply has uh, flaunted that he's not going to do that. Joe Biden has largely embraced that mentality. Now, again, Joe Biden may feel that he's at risk. And therefore, he has gone into this bunker mentality, hunkering down in place and isolating himself. And he may have a legitimate reason. He thinks that he is somebody at risk. And I'm not going to criticize him for that. If he firmly believes that he's at risk, then we shouldn't criticize him for his behavior. Again, Donald Trump has not gone through that process. He hasn't gone in that behavior. He hasn't hunkered down. He hasn't had that bunker mentality. I mean, again, he's New Yorker. He's pugilistic. And he's not taking major precautions as Joe Biden might be. Again, two different people with different risk profiles. But I think, having said all this, I think that by isolating himself, it doesn't speak to Joe Biden's leadership abilities. And this is where we get into the true leadership aspect of things. I mean, the liberal press has been, you know, criticizing, chastising Donald Trump for his handling of the coronavirus. I mean, his very leadership has been excoriated. Has Mr. Trump been defiant? Absolutely. But what should a leader do? That's the question. It's not what Donald Trump has done. It's what should a leader do? Should they show fear? Should they drive panic into the public? Now, again, we reiterate this bunker mentality that Joe Biden has had versus Donald Trump's mentality of challenging the coronavirus, you know, in a frontal assault. Which one speaks more to leadership? Which one speaks more to mitigating panic and fear and therefore not driving home this hysteria? Is it hunkering down in a bunker, as Joe Biden has done? Or is it Donald Trump's approach? And again, it's worth, it's worth pointing out that the public looks to its leaders for guidance. You know, we want to see what the, the lead dog is doing. And if the lead dog is is in panic, then we become in panic. I mean, that's just the reality of things. So if, if we have a leader who is panicking, hunkering down in a bunker mentality, who fears effectively their own shadow, well, what does the public do? They fear their own shadow. I mean, remember the toilet pa paper pandemic. Average citizens were so caught up in the hysteria, they stripped grocery store shelves of toilet paper and numerous other uh, staples. That was panic. That was fear-mongering. And what if the leader of the country had added to that panic? And it wasn't panic that he induced. It was panic that was induced by the liberal media, by the liberal press. Could the country have fallen into complete anarchy? And don't 
think that's so far-fetched, folks, that you have a panic, you have a mob mentality, and it could easily have taken root if the Trump administration had given in to the fear-mongering. But they didn't. And so they stood defiant. Well, what does the public take away from that versus what would they, the public take away from someone who did buy into the fear, who would hunker down in, into a bunker mentality? It gets to the, the kind of old concept in the military. Do you lead from the front or do you lead from the, from the rear? Do you lead, you know, miles and miles away from the action so you're not in any threat? Or do you lead from the front lines where you're going to share the same fate of your decisions as your troops? And I guess what we look at with Donald Trump, he has been at the front line and he paid the price by contracting COVID-19. But he also demonstrated by contracting COVID-19, not a death sentence, not the boogeyman that everybody in the liberal press is trying to portray it as. He recovered so quickly, and I think that that has agitated the liberal press. How dare you contract the coronavirus, and as we're excoriating you, you recover in record time. How dare you do that? Because we wanted to, to lambaste you on the fact that you contracted the virus and you're willing to expose other people. And this is, this is what you get for your behavior. Well, what he's gotten from his behavior is that he's kind of mitigating the fear. He's pushing aside that panic. If the president can contract COVID-19, the average citizen doesn't need to live in fear of it. And we get to his, his Twitter that he recently uh, posted that has been, again, the liberal press has gone all gone after him, whole hog on this. He said, don't live in fear. Don't let the virus dominate you. And he's absolutely right. That's leadership. Folks, that's leadership. That's telling the public, I'm on the front lines with you. You got these healthcare workers, they're on the front lines. Donald Trump is on the front lines. Well, we honor the front line medical uh, care, uh, our healthcare workers. Shouldn't Donald Trump get some of that? Well, that reverses the narrative of the liberal media. But I think, again, I get back to the original premise is that by contracting COVID-19, he's demystified the virus. And he's shown someone of his age can contract it and recover quickly. And therefore, the fear is largely overblown. And that's dangerous to the liberal press. And they're going to continue down this path of trying to mitigate what he's done. They're going to try to criticize him saying you you did uh, irresponsible leadership again i get back to the military do you lead from the rear so far behind that you can't possibly be in danger or do you lead from the front lines and share the risk of your troops and again i would i would tell the trump campaign that's the kind of commercial i put out there is you have to leave from the front you have to share the risks of the healthcare workers who are willing to share the risk that's, that's a winning scenario. And it trumps, no pun intended, the liberal press's narrative of you've got to live in fear. You've got to follow what Joe Biden has done, which is to bunker down, to hunker down, to lead from a distance, to lead where there's little risk that he will be infected. Well, that's not leadership. And again, that's, that's the kind of difference I would put out there. And again, we get back to the total toilet paper pandemic i mean it was just nonsense but you know what it wasn't nonsense and i talk about this 
in one of my articles on my coronavirus suite at danbutterfield.com. And when you purchase the suite, you get infinite uh, access to the suite. You get a password, and basically you can go in there and check out the, the articles at your leisure. But one of the things I talk about is this panic, this hoarding mentality. I think that at the end of the day, hoarding mentality is reasonable. When you're given the hysteria, the fear-mongering that was induced by the liberal press, hoarding was a natural outcome. And yet you had the, the press after a while go, well, you, you ought to not do that. Well, then you ought to not you know, invoke this fear. But they don't get it. They don't get that, the connection. They're detached in their thinking. What Donald Trump needed to do is exactly what he did. He says, let's not buy into the fear. Let's not create this horde mentality. Let's not create this anarchy. Because you could have had anarchy. What happens if all the shelves are empty? At some point in time, it's, I, I, I need to get mine. And you could have real violence in the country because people are without. They're going like, I need access. Luckily, we didn't get to that point. The toilet paper pandemic subsided. And we started seeing the grocery store uh, shelves starting to reaccumulate uh, wares. And that's important. This country rebounded in that regard. Would it have rebounded in the same manner if you had a general leading from a safe distance in Joe Biden? And that's the difference between, between the two candidates. And you, you make your own choice in there. But what would have happened if you did not have somebody standing up and saying, this isn't as bad as, it, as it's being projected? And again, it's confidence level. Was Donald Trump correct? I think he's more correct than not. I think that by contracting the COVID-19 virus, he has shown the country not that big a deal. But he can't say that. It's, it's irresponsible to say that it's not that big a deal. Everybody is chastising him for saying, guess what? I contracted it, got better. Wham, bam. Thank you, man. We, get, we move on. By saying that, just saying that and demonstrating it, he is invoking a lot of anger from lib- the liberal press. They're excoriating because their narrative is being proven false. It's being demonstrated not by numbers, not by conjecture, not by opinion, but by fact. fact that the one individual in America with the highest profile contracts this virus, and guess what? No negative outcome. He recovers rather quickly, and he's back to work, doing what he had done before the virus. That will upset the apple cart for the liberal press because they're going like, we can't control that. He's showing the American public the reality We've been invoking fear based on abstract notions. The conservative pundits have been coming out with numbers routinely saying, well, look at all these numbers. Look at Sweden. Look at how Sweden has recovered. They're like, you can't allow that to happen. The liberal press can't allow that to happen because that defeats their narrative. And by Donald Trump contracting the virus, he's done more to counter the liberal press's coronavirus narrative than all the data out there, all the science out there. If we were really dealing in science, we wouldn't have this discussion. It wouldn't be an issue for the 2020 election. But it is because we're dealing with emotion. And we get, again, continuing down this path of leadership. You look at what Bob Woodward, Woodward wrote, that President Trump downplayed the threat. <laughs> of course he did. What do you want him to do? Jack it up? 
Again, we get back to hoarding. We get back to the toilet paper pandemic. What happens if your leader strikes a tone of fear? Then everybody in the nation becomes fearful. There's nobody there to defend against that fear mongering. So you have the liberal press beating the drum of fear. You've got Democratic policymakers beating the drum of fear. This state, the, the governor beating the drum of fear. You need to fear everything. If the president of the United States had also bought into the fear, where does it lead us? And that's the question that doesn't get uh, asked. They don't raise this specter. The liberal press doesn't want to know that. They're, they're so myopic in their view, so siloed. They're looking at how does, their, how does something support their narrative, not looking at leadership and saying, you know, if he had led from the rear, if he had led in a panic mode, you know, this country could have devolved into to, uh, anarchy. And is that good for any citizen? Is it good for the vulnerable Americans? Is it good for the healthy Americans? What would have taken place? And again, we look at some of the things, uh, you know, Bob Woodard is saying that Donald Trump downplayed the coronavirus. Well, you can look at the actions of, of President Trump and understand that he took it seriously. He closed down the border with China. And he did it well before anyone on the liberal side was willing to take that kind of measure. I mean, it was considered dr- draconian on his part. So when you look at actions versus words, did Donald Trump take the coronavirus seriously? Purely by his, ac- his actions of closing down the border with China, it shows that he took it seriously. I mean, then he imposed the same sort of restrictions on European countries. Again, he got major criticism for his overreaction, but it does demonstrate his attitude toward COVID-19. He was willing to take draconian measures because he thought it was a threat. So it comes down to, with leadership in the words, does he downplay the virus? He has to. That's leadership. You cannot beat the drum of fear and expect your public not to get into this horde mentality and devolve maybe into potential anarchy. And that's not good for the country. It's not good for anyone. So he did mitigate the panic or acted to mitigate the panic. And now, as I said, because he's contracted the, the virus and recovered, a lot of his actions, a lot of his uh, verbiage, his lexicon on this, will reinforce what he's been saying. And I think the liberal press is not happy about that. And I don't think they're going to be happy about that. Will uh, Joe Biden continue to beat the drum of, of the death toll? Absolutely. But we could talk about that death toll issue, and we've done that on this program before. Isolationist policies in and of themselves will continue to increase the death toll. And, you know, another thing we, we, you know, Donald Trump uh, tweeted, tweeted about was a comparison between the flu and the coronavirus. Again, Twitter, you know, censored him for that. It, go like, it may be misleading. Well, it's not misleading. Okay, 100,000 deaths due to the flu every year. Maybe on the high side. 70 to 80 not would be reasonable. So if he'd use 70 to 80 instead of 100,000, but 100,000 is rounding up. Okay, I get that. Is it reasonable to compare the death toll of, of the flu with the coronavirus? Absolutely. And it, what he was making the comparison of was how do we treat the flu every year? Do we go into the panic mode? And I talk about this in one of my articles on uh, the coronavirus at my website. Is that the flu is a morbid, indiscriminate killer 
than the coronavirus. The coronavirus has a highly targeted audience that it seems to uh, affect. The flu, it'll take on unhealthy and healthy people alike. It'll take on the old and the young. It is an indiscriminate killer. And it, we have the flu every year. We have a vaccine for the flu. And we still have these high death tolls. And that's what Donald Trump was t- tweeting out, is that shouldn't we be comparing the two pathogens on equal footing? And the answer is yeah. But this gets back to the whole issue of voice of dissent, something, something else I discuss on my website in the coronavirus suite. Is that voice of dissent not allowed? And I get back to Donald Trump contracting the coronavirus. He can't say anything. He's tweeting out these comments about the flu and the death toll and how we, how we treat the flu every year. But he's not allowed to really say that because Twitter is censoring. But they can't censor the fact that he contracted COVID-19 and recovered quickly. That's not something that can be censored. So that becomes a hard reality. As I said, with, with the regard to the tweet on the flu, Donald Trump's absolutely correct. And I have another article on, on the, in the suite, and it talks about herd mentality and the flu. We probably get rid of the flu every year, not because of the heat, summer heat, but because of herd mentality or herd immunity. Excuse me. So the herd immunity comes in at 15% for the flu, maybe a little bit higher, maybe you get as high as 25%. But as Donald Trump starts to put out this information, it can't be allowed to gain traction. Is it a little too little, a little too late uh, due to the, the election? I think simply contracting the virus and recovering is going to mute the advantage for Joe Biden on, coronavi- on the coronavirus. And I think there's a lot of other things that Joe Biden is susceptible to. So I don't think it's a done deal election, come election time. And I think that the Trump campaign, they engage in... in you know, metrics. So I think that they know whether or not they're in good shape or not. And if there's six, seven million people who have voted already, that's a drop in the bucket. You know, you've got 100 and, at least 120 million who vote in the presidential general election. So I wouldn't be beating the, the drum of fear over that just yet. And there's a little bit of time to, to gain on that. And again, as I said, simply by contracting the virus and recovering, he's demonstrated well beyond what the numbers could have ever done. And the numbers support what, he's, you know, what his uh, reality is. The numbers support what his uh, experience is. But the little media can't allow the science to take hold here because that would thwart their agenda. And we look at what Donald Trump has done for the country as far as leadership. This is a state's issue more than it is a federal issue. Every state has its own health department. Every state has laid out its own policies, its own uh, sequestering, its own isolationist policies, and its own recovery from that isolation. You look at this state, you're not going to get out of the economic reprisals in this state. The Oompa Loompa won't allow that to happen. She's too invested in this. She's hoping that Joe Biden wins, and then she gets to get elevated to his cabinet. She's not thinking about your interest or my interest in, in policies. And so every time you have these uh, surges in infections, that's just another uh, arrow for her to go ahead and say, no, 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 we're not out of the woods yet. Like, lady, we'll never be out of the woods with this stuff. Until we truly eliminate the virus, 
you're going to continue to get infection. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy here. She's laid out an argument that we can't defeat as citizens of this state because we're not working toward eliminating the virus. And the only way to work toward eliminating the virus is to open up the economy, is to open up uh, social engagements because we need to have people contract the virus as Donald Trump has done and then recover. And we create herd immunity. But her position, her policy of isolation, isolation without trying to mitigate the, the virus or eliminate the virus means that you're just adding to the death toll. You'll never get the death toll to stop because you haven't eliminated the virus. You've never attempted to eliminate the virus. And sequestering it, we look at all the numbers, the science. This thing's not going away. And it's not going away because of what the pathogen is and how it behaves. So that pathogen's not going away. Well, it's not going away. We have to find a way to make it go away. And if we're waiting for a vaccine and the way the CDC is, is operating and the FDA, they're going to keep pushing us out. Again, if we're in such dire straits, you accept a little, a little higher level of risk. It doesn't have to be the same as risk as um, some other pathogen that doesn't have this kind of transmission rate. It doesn't have this impact on society. But it, it, this is all this detached thinking. You know, people say they're, they're dealing from science. They go like, you could give those people all the numbers you wanted, all the science, all the empirical data, and guess what? They would reject it. Harder to reject when you see the president contract it and recover. So there are going to be people who, who contract this uh, virus, and they're going to have negative outcomes. That's the reality. And those are the people that we should be thinking about. But how do we help them? We help them by doing what President Trump has done contract the virus, recover, and then help create herd immunity. And keep hearing the numbers. You know, If you don't have 60, 80% herd immunity, uh, you're just pissing in the wind. And, you know, folks, this is not a medical issue. This is a statistical probability issue. It's a math problem. And the reality is you're probably looking at 20% will be sufficient to create herd immunity. Will you have outbreaks? Yeah, you'll have outbreaks. You will not have eliminated the virus completely, but you'll have gotten a good control over the virus. And that's the difference. Are we looking for absolute or are we looking for relative? Are we looking to get this uh, virus under control or are we looking to eliminate it completely? Herd immunity will help in eliminating it. Completely? No. There's always going to be uh, surges in infections in different areas. But if you can get a control over this, if you can mitigate its spread over the general population because through herd immunity, then you've done your job. You've done the best you can do. Then you bring out the vaccine. Okay, that's the second wave of herd immunity. So people talk about the second wave of the coronavirus. The second wave of herd immunity should have always been the vaccine. We should have been going down the path of trying to gain herd immunity. And look at the flu. As I said, it's an article on my uh, coronavirus suite. talks about the flu and how you look at the numbers. And the numbers kind of dictate that the flu doesn't die out because of summer heat. Again, we talk about how much conditioned space there, are, there is in America. In Florida, you don't go from uh, one heat environment to an air-conditioned space. You go from air-conditioned space to air-conditioned space to air-conditioned space, whether it's from your house to your car to your place of office or work or to shopping. 
you're in enclosed in a in a room that is conditioned space that you would think the flu should survive in, and it probably does. But our herd immunity, the herd immunity that we create, is what eliminates that virus. But we're not allowed to have that discussion. Donald Trump was not allowed to have that discussion on Twitter. Um, and that's, that's the, the disservice that the liberal media has done for the general public. The general public should not have ever had to suffer through this. And we look at now the stimulus packages. How much debt are we, we going to acquire? That was already uh, at an unsustainable light, uh, rate. So you're adding how many trillion to the national debt? Are we going to add seven trillion by the end of all this? And that was, again, it's not Donald Trump's initiating of policies of isolation. That's policies initiated by Democratic politicians as well as the liberal press. Should we have ever gone down this isolation path? Problem solving says no. We should have gone ahead down a path of very targeted isolation along with the creation of herd immunity. And if we'd done that all the way back in March, you got March, April, May, June, July, that's about the, the span of, of what the flu, we go through with the flu before we contract or before we gain herd immunity. We'd be out of this. Donald Trump would be right. But he's not right because of the isolationist policies. You've got, got to get rid of the isolationist policies and not for the vulnerable population. Again, this is a two-segmented solution. You protect the most vulnerable, but you have to do it in a very short time duration. You can't have this year-long isolation and expect that you're saving anybody's lives. You're not. The death toll will continue to increase because of the period of time that we're allowing this virus to remain legitimate, viable. So we have to find a way to get rid of the virus. Well, the vaccine, yeah, but that's maybe another six months away. So we've got to be looking for ways to eliminate the virus while in a short term protecting the vulnerable population. And as I said, isolation will continue to lead to uh, an increase in the death toll. That won't stop. And it won't stop because of the policies implemented by wrong-thinking individuals who aren't willing to look at the science. And we look again at the economy. How many trillions will be, will be in debt because of political aspirations? of wanting to get rid of one individual, Donald Trump. If that is, will that come through in this election? I don't think so. Will it come through in the next election, 2024? Maybe. I don't know. But that's where we should be focusing. We should be focusing on the fact that we are paying a debt or building up a debt that our kids, our grandkids, great-grandkids, are going to have to pay down the road because of how much debt we've acquired due to the policies of isolation and isolation without eliminating the virus. And so that's where we keep getting back to the fact that there's been no voice of dissent allowed by the liberal press because they want to control this narrative. They wanted to get rid of Donald Trump and the price for getting rid of Donald Trump could be trillions of dollars in debt and hundreds of thousands of, of deaths all to satisfy their agenda. And that's wrongheaded. As I said, you know, we're, we're looking at the liberal press. I think that they, they're going to make hay while the sun shines. They think that they have the one narrative that's going to defeat Donald Trump. They believe that this uh, shuttering of the economy is going to uh, allow Joe Biden to rise to the top and become the next president. And so I get it. I get they're piling on. I get how they're, they're approaching this stuff. But 
the personal attacks on the president, I think they may have gone too far because he did contract the virus. And so isn't there any sympathy for somebody who's contracted the virus? No, no, no. It's because it's President Trump. But Donald Trump's recovery, I think this is where they get in trouble, the liberal press, because now they're continuing to hammer him. They're hammering his leadership style. They're saying, oh, you've been out there. You've allowed this to happen to yourself. Go like, yeah, okay, I've allowed this to happen to myself because I'm leading from the front and I'm willing to take the same risks as the healthcare workers. But here, here's my outcome. My outcome is no big deal. I recovered rather quickly. No major complications. So we're done that. Now I get to wear no face coverings uh, again because I've contracted the virus. I've recovered, so I'm neither contagious or, nor can I contract the virus again. And so the liberal media, though, they're just they're so siloed in this. They want to continue to hammer him. And the personal attacks, the fact that, you know, he's called this upon himself, he's putting other people at risk, it's because they want that agenda out there. They want that narrative out there. And I think it is going to be something that bites him in the backside because they are one-sided in this. They're not willing to see that, okay, he contracted and he recovered. Huh, maybe we ought to rethink our position on this. No, because that would defeat their agenda, which is to get rid of Donald Trump. Now, it's worth pointing out, I think the Supreme Court nominee will come up for confirmation next week. And so I think there's going to be some of the air taken out of the sails of the coronavirus narrative. Uh, I think the liberal media will pivot. Uh, so they'll go after the new Supreme Court nominee. Uh, but I think it's going to be a temporary condition. I think that they will rapidly return back to coronavirus, to COVID-19, and the death toll. And again, it gets back to that is their one issue that they, they can sink Donald Trump on. And are they right? Well, the recovery has been slowed, not because of Donald Trump, not because of what he would want to uh, implement. It's been slowed because of the policies of Democrats. Will those Democrats pay the price? If you don't control the narrative, here's the big problem, is that somebody can paint you however they wish to paint you. You can have all the science in the world on your, on your side. You won't win. You have to take control of the narrative. You've got to refocus the narrative so that the general public understands that they've been truly lied to. And I keep hearing you know, snippets out there. Well, people take little factoids, like, okay, there's... Eight or nine coronaviruses. Yeah, there are eight or nine coronaviruses that we know of. Three of them are the common cold. I think three other ones have never, you know, haven't re-shown themselves, like SARS and avian flu. Okay, there's nine coronaviruses. It's a fact. But understand, three of them are the common cold. But that's not how people take that factoid. They say, oh, they're all the the coronavirus. They're all COVID-19? No, they're not all COVID-19. Again, we get back to death toll. How many are real? How many are not real? Well, People have died. That's real. Are they really attributable to COVID-19? We won't know that for years, if ever. Again, the same thing with the flu. Now that we have flu season, how many of these coronaviruses, uh, coronavirus or COVID-19 uh, contractions will result in death, but they also had the flu? And will they be categorized as flu deaths or COVID-19 deaths? And this is the kind of hypocrisy that we have out there, that we're not dealing with science because we're not allowed to deal with science. If you deal with science, you get rid of the fear. If you get rid of the fear, you get rid of the panic. Get rid of the emotion. 
Well, that doesn't work for the liberal press. It doesn't work for them trying to get rid of Donald Trump. I mean, we look at the, the state, the Oompa Loompa, the latest on the infections. In, infections are on the cre- increase. Yeah, of course they are, because we never got rid of the virus. That's not a question that's raised, though. Well, if we got in continuing infections, what is the governor going to do? Not, not opening the economy. So going to continue with this isolationist policy and look to the federal government for a handout. Well, I got to tell you, folks, you are putting this country in such a severe uh, position of debt. What are you going to do with all that additional debt? If you're looking at seven million, seven trillion, five to seven trillion dollars worth of debt, what does the U.S. government do going forward? Oh, it's Donald Trump's fault. If he gets reelected, it's his fault for increasing the debt. Can't win. Joe Biden wins. Well, it was necessary. I'm like, well, how are you going to deal with that debt? And we haven't had that serious discussion about how we're going to deal with that debt. Uh, that that's problematic going forward. Political season. I got to tell you, some of the, these ads on TV and the radio just are, you know, amusing, uh, to say the least. I love uh, Social Torres Small touting her involvement with USMCA. She doesn't call it the USMCA. She talks about she was instrumental in pushing Donald Trump's uh, advi- or revised NAFTA deal to help farmers. You know, it's a complete joke because at the end of the day, you look at Donald Trump even post, uh, faced opposition in his own party on saying NAFTA needs to go, and he renegotiated the NAFTA trade deal into the USMCA, which Democrats eventually you know, said, voted for, and Nancy Pelosi was out gleefully at the podium going, wow, the greatest thing since sliced bread, in the same breath, it was the same day that she announced articles of impeachment of, of President Trump. You know, that's the level of hypocrisy. And again, if Social Torres Small's opponent was clever, she could flip that narrative on Ms. Small, uh, because at the end of the day, Social Torres Small was not instrumental in USMCA. Donald Trump was. And this is a Donald Trump-specific uh, uh, issue. He's the one who drove it forward. Only he. And so it's more of a Republican issue. So if uh, Social Torres Small's opponent, Yvette Harrell, could take this and flip this on her. And she should, because this is an issue of leadership. We get back to leadership. Donald Trump led on the re- repeal and replacement of NAFTA when nobody else was supporting him, really. And he got USMCA, which then Democrats, Nancy Pelosi thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. At the same time, you know, they voted for articles of impeachment. That's a hypocrisy. That, that is what makes these political ads it's, I mean, hilarious. And it's not a, a social towards small specific ad. It's, I think, the DCCC, uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And I hate DCCC. It just don't know when to stop the C's. I think it should be called D-C cubed. I just get, you know, after you get back to the, past the second C, it just like it just rolls on, keeps going on. It just, there's no end. We got the crime issue with uh, the Ron Ketty and Ben Ray Lujan uh, campaign. What are they talking about? Defunding the police department is a local issue. It's not federal. These guys are looking for federal uh, appointments. What can they do at the federal level? And that's what we should be asking both candidates, what are you going to do at the federal level? It has nothing to do with funding localized police departments. And so I look at these issues, I look at these ads, and I'm going, like, they are so detached from reality. They're just platforms, platitudes that are put out there. And how does that serve you or I? 
And the reality is it doesn't because it doesn't provide a solution. It doesn't even define the problem. So we don't even know what the heck is going on with these things. Well, until next time, remember what you know. Don't get caught up in the hysteria. Tune into this program every Saturday. No agenda, no spin. Think for yourself. You can't trust the media to do that for you. Make a difference. Share with friends, coworkers, and family. If you like to, uh, what you heard on the program today, you can reach me at orbydb at gmail.com. That's O-R-B-Y-D-B at gmail.com. Or let Eddie know through a text or email. It's time to take back the power from the mainstream media. That can only be done through re- objective reasoning, not merely emotion. Mark Twain said it best with, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read the newspaper, you're misinformed. Folks, you've been t- tuned into the evil machinations from the irreverent mind of Dan Butterfield, a knockoff's razor with Dan Butterfield, presented by the Kiva, the home of high IQ radio, where the content is king. We appreciate you taking part of your day with us. We'll see you next week. And by the way, check out my website, danbutterfield.com. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.